Chapter Seventeen of the Holy War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Chan. Chapter Seventeen of the Holy War by John Bunyan. So order was given out by the Lord Mayor, that wise and trusty friend of the town of Mansoul, that persons should be employed about this necessary business, and Mister Godly Fear and one Mr. Upright, were to be overseers about this matter. So persons were put under them to work in the fields, and to bury the slain that lay dead in the plains, and these were their places of employment. Some were to make graves, some to bury the dead, and some were to go to and fro in the plains, and also round about the borders of Mansoul, to see if a skull or a bone, or a piece of a bone of a doubter, was yet to be found above ground anywhere near the corporation and if any were found, it was ordered that the searchers that searched should set up a mark thereby and a sign, that those that were appointed to bury them might find it, and bury it out of sight, that the name and remembrance of a Diabolonian doubter might be blotted out from under heaven, and that the children and they that were to be born in Mansoul might not know, if possible, what a skull, what a bone, or a piece of a bone of a doubter was. So the buriers and those that were appointed for that purpose did as they were commanded. They buried the doubters and all the skulls and bones, and pieces of bones of doubters, wherever they found them. And so they cleansed the plains. Now also Mr. God's peace took up his commission, and acted again as in former days. Thus they buried in the plains about Mansoul the election doubters, the vocation doubters, the grace doubters, the perseverance doubters, the resurrection doubters, the salvation doubters, and the glory doubters, whose captains were Captain Rage, Captain Cruel, Captain Damnation, Captain Insatiable, Captain Brimstone, Captain Torment, Captain No Ease, Captain Sepulchre, and Captain Past Hope. And old incredulity was, under Diabolus, their general. They were also the seven heads of their army, and they were the Lord Beelzebub, the Lord Lucifer, the Lord Legion, the Lord Apollyon, the Lord Python, the Lord Cerberus, and the Lord Belial. But the princes and the captains, with old incredulity, their general, did all of them make their escape. So their men fell down slain by the power of the prince's forces, and by the hands of the men of the town of Mansoul. They also were buried, as is afore related, to the exceeding great joy of the now famous town of Mansoul. They that buried them buried also with them their arms, which were cruel instruments of death, their weapons with arrows, darts, mauls, firebrands, and the like. They buried also their armour, their colours, banners, with the standard of Diabolus, and what else soever they could find that did but smell of a Diabolonian doubter. Now when the tyrant had arrived at Hellgate Hill with his old friend Incredulity, they immediately descended the den, and having there with their fellows for a while condoled their misfortune and great loss that they sustained against the town of Mansoul, they fell at length into a passion, and revenged they would be for the loss that they sustained before the town of Mansoul. Wherefore they presently call counsel to contrive yet further what was to be done against the famous town of Mansoul. For their yawning paunches could not wait to see the result of their Lord Lucifer's and their Lord Apollyon's counsel that they had given before. For their raging gorge thought every day, even as long as a short forever, 
until they were filled with the body and soul, with the flesh and bones, and with all the delicates of Mansoul. They therefore resolved to make another attempt upon the town of Mansoul, and that by an army mixed and made up partly of doubters and partly of bloodmen. A more particular account now take of both. The doubters are such as have their name from their nature, as well as from the land and kingdom where they are born. Their nature is to put a question upon every one of the truths of Emmanuel, and their country is called the land of doubting, and that land lieth off and farthest remote to the north, between the land of darkness and that called the valley of the shadow of death. For though the land of darkness and that called the valley of the shadow of death be sometimes called as if they were one and the self-same place, yet indeed they are two, lying but a little way asunder, and the land of doubting points in and lieth between them. This is the land of doubting, and these that came with Diabolus to ruin the town of Mansoul are the natives of that country. The bloodmen are a people that have their name derived from the malignity of their nature, and from the fury that is in them to execute it upon the town of Mansoul. Their land lieth under the dog-star, and by that they are governed as to their intellectuals. The name of their country is the province of loath-good. The remote parts of it are far distant from the land of doubting, yet they do both butt and bound upon the hill called Hellgate Hill. These people are always in league with the doubters, for they jointly do make question of the faith and fidelity of the men of the town of Mansoul, and so are both alike qualified for the service of their prince. Now of these two countries did Diabolus, by the beating of his drum, raise another army against the town of Mansoul, of five and twenty thousand strong. There were ten thousand doubters, and fifteen thousand bloodmen, and they were put under several captains for the war, and old incredulity was again made general of the army. As for the doubters, their captains were five of the seven that were heads of the last Diabolonian army, and these are their names. Captain Beelzebub, Captain Lucifer, Captain Apollyon, Captain Legion, and Captain Cerberus. And the captains that they had before were some of them made lieutenants, and some ensigns of the army. But Diabolus did not count that, in this expedition of his, these doubters would prove his principal men, for their manhood had been tried before. Also the Mansolians had put them to the worst, only he did bring them to multiply a number, and to help, if need was, at a pinch. But his trust he put in his bloodmen, for that they were all rugged villains, and he knew that they had done feats heretofore. As for the bloodmen, they also were under command, and the names of their captains were Captain Cain, Captain Nimrod, Captain Ishmael, Captain Esau, Captain Saul, Captain Absalom, Captain Judas, and Captain Pope. 1. Captain Cain was over two bands, namely, the zealous and the angry bloodman. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was the murdering club. 2. Captain Nimrod was captain over two bands, namely, the tyrannical and encroaching bloodman. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was the great bloodhound. 3. Captain Ishmael was captain over two bands, namely, the mocking and scorning bloodmen. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was one mocking at Abraham's Isaac. 
4. Captain Esau was captain over two bands, namely, the bloodmen that grudged that another should have the blessing, also over the bloodmen that are for executing their private revenge upon others. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was one privately lurking to murder Jacob. 5. Captain Saul was captain over two bands, namely, the groundlessly jealous and the devilishly furious bloodmen. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was three bloody darts cast at harmless David. 6. Captain Absalom was captain over two bands, namely over the bloodmen that will kill a father or a friend for the glory of this world, also over those bloodmen that will hold one fair in hand with words, till they shall have pierced him with their swords. His standard-bearer did bear the red colours, and his scutcheon was the son pursuing the father's blood. 7. Captain Judas was over two bands, namely, the bloodmen that will sell a man's life for money, and those also that will betray their friend with a kiss. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was thirty pieces of silver and the halter. 8. Captain Pope was captain over one band, but all these spirits are joined in one under him. His standard-bearer bare the red colours, and his scutcheon was the stake, the flame, and the good man in it. Now the reason why Diabolus did so soon rally another force, after he had been beaten out of the field, was, for that he put mighty confidence in this army of bloodmen, for he put a great deal of more trust in them than he did before in his army of doubters, though they had also often done great service for him in the strengthening of him in his kingdom. But these bloodmen, he had proved them often, and their sword did seldom return empty. Besides, he knew that these, like mastiffs, would fasten upon any, upon father, mother, brother, sister, prince, or governor, yea, upon the prince of princes. And that which encouraged him the more was, for that they once did force Emmanuel out of the kingdom of universe. And why, thought he, may they not also drive him from the town of Mansoul? So this army of five and twenty thousand strong was, by their general, the great lord in credulity led up against the town of Mansoul. Now Mr. Prywell, the scoutmaster-general, did himself go out to spy, and he did bring Mansoul's hidings of their coming. Wherefore they shut up the gates and put themselves in a posture of defence against these new Diabolonians that came up against the town. So Diabolus brought up his army and beleaguered the town of Mansoul. The doubters were placed about field-gate, and the bloodmen set down before eye-gate and ear-gate. Now when this army had thus encamped themselves, incredulity did, in the name of Diabolus, his own name, and in the name of the bloodmen and the rest that were with him, send a summons as hot as a red-hot iron to man's soul, to yield to their demands, threatening that if they still stood it out against them, they would presently burn down man's soul with fire. For you must know that, as for the bloodmen, they were not so much that man's soul should be surrendered, as that man's soul should be destroyed, and cut off out of the land of the living. True, they sent to them to surrender, but should they so do, they would not stench or quench the thirsts of these men. They must have blood, the blood of man's soul, else they die, and it is from hence that they have their name. Wherefore these bloodmen he reserved while now that they might, when all his engines proved ineffectual, as his last and sure card, 
be played against the town of Mansoul. Now when the townsmen had received this red-hot summons, it begat in them at present some changing and interchanging thoughts. But they jointly agreed, in less than half an hour, to carry the summons to the prince, the which they did when they had writ at the bottom of it, Lord, save man's soul from bloody men. So he took it and looked upon it and considered it, and took notice also of that short petition that the men of Mansoul had written at the bottom of it, and called to him the noble captain Credence, and bid him go and take captain Patience with him, and go and take care of that side of Mansoul that was beleaguered by the bloodmen. So they went and did as they were commanded. The captain Credence went and took captain Patience, and they both secured that side of Mansoul that was besieged by the bloodmen. Then he commanded that Captain Goodhope and Captain Charity and my Lord Wilbywill should take charge of the other side of the town. And I, said the prince, will set my standard upon the battlements of your castle, and do you three watch against the doubters. This done, he again commanded that the brave captain, the Captain Experience, should draw up his men in the market-place, and that there he should exercise them day by day before the people of the town of Mansoul. Now this siege was long, and many a fierce attempt did the enemy, especially those called the bloodmen, make upon the town of Mansoul. And many a shrewd brush did some of the townsmen meet with from them, especially Captain Self-Denial, who, I should have told you before, was commanded to take the care of Eargate and Eygate, now against the bloodmen. This Captain Self-Denial was a young man but stout, and a townsman in Mansoul as Captain Experience also was. And Emmanuel, at his second return to Mansoul, made him a captain over a thousand of the Mansolians for the good of the corporation. This captain, therefore, being an hardy man, and a man of great courage, and willing to venture himself for the good of the town of Mansoul, would now and then sally out upon the bloodmen, and give them many notable alarms, and entered several brisk skirmishes with them, and also did some execution upon them. But you must think that this could not easily be done. But he must meet with brushes himself, for he carried several of their marks in his face, yea, and some in some other parts of his body. So, after some time spent for the trial of the faith and hope and love of the town of Mansoul, the Prince Emmanuel upon a day calls his captains and men of war together, and divides them into two companies. This done, he commands them at a time appointed, and that in the morning very early, to sally out upon the enemy, saying, Let half of you fall upon the doubters, and half of you upon the bloodmen. Those of you that go out against the doubters, kill and slay, and cause to perish so many of them as by any means you can lay hands on. But for you that go out against the bloodmen, slay them not, but take them alive. So at the time appointed, betimes in the morning, the captains went out as they were commanded against the enemies. Captain Goodhope, Captain Charity, and those that were joined with them, as Captain Innocent and Captain Experience, went out against the doubters, and Captain Credence and Captain Patience, with Captain Self-Denial and the rest that were to join with them, went out against the bloodmen. Now those that went out against the doubters drew up into a body before the plain, and marched on to bid them battle. But the doubters, remembering their last success, made a retreat, not daring to stand the shock, but fled from the prince's men. Wherefore they pursued them, and in their pursuit slew many, 
but they could not catch them all. Now those that escaped went some of them home, and the rest by fives, nines, and seventeens, like wanderers, went struggling up and down the country, where they upon the barbarous people showed and exercised many of their diabolonian actions. Nor did these people rise up in arms against them, but suffered themselves to be enslaved by them. They would also after this show themselves in companies before the town of Mansoul, but never to abide in it, for if Captain Credence, Captain Good Hope, or Captain Experience did but show themselves, they fled. Those that went out against the bloodmen did as they were commanded. They forbore to slay any, but sought to compass them about. But the bloodmen, when they saw that no Emmanuel was in the field, concluded also that no Emmanuel was in Mansoul. Wherefore they, looking upon what the captains did to be, as they called it, a fruit of the extravagancy of their wild and foolish fancies, rather despised them than feared them. But the captains, minding their business, at last did compass them round. They also that had routed the doubters came in amain to their aid. So, in fine, after some little struggling, for the blood-men also would have run for it, only now it was too late. For though they are mischievous and cruel when they can overcome, yet all blood-men are chicken-hearted men, when they once come to see themselves matched and equalled. So the captains took them and brought them to the prince. Now when they were taken, had before the prince, and examined, he found them to be of three several countries, though they all come out of one land. 1. One sort of them came out of blind manshire, and they were such as did ignorantly what they did. 2. Another sort of them came out of blind zealshire, and they did superstitiously what they did. 3. The third sort of them came out of the town of Malice in the county of Envy, and they did what they did out of spite and implacableness. For the first of these, namely, they that came out of blind manshire, when they saw where they were and against whom they had fought, they trembled and cried as they stood before him, and as many of these as asked him mercy, he touched their lips with his golden sceptre. They that came out of blind zealshire, they did not as their fellows did, for they pleaded that they had a right to do what they did, because Mansoul was a town whose laws and customs were diverse from all that dwelt thereabouts. Very few of these could be brought to see their evil, but those that did and asked mercy, they also obtained favour. Now they that came out of the town of Malice, that is in the county of Envy, they neither wept nor disputed nor repented, but stood gnawing their tongues before him for anguish and madness, because they could not have their will upon man's soul. Now these last, with all those of the other two sorts that did not unfeignedly ask pardon for their faults, those he made to enter into sufficient bond to answer for what they had done against man's soul and against her king, at the great and general assizes to be holden for our lord the king, where he himself should appoint for the country and kingdom of universe. So they became bound each man for himself to come in, when called upon, to answer before our lord the king for what they had done as before. And thus much concerning this second army that was sent by Diabolus to overthrow Mansoul. End of chapter 17